beyond measure. So I want us to think for a minute or two about what a blessing it is to be a believer because as David points out, there are some benefits to being a believer. I want to begin our study by first of all talking about praise to the Lord. David, of course, begins this psalm by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. First, his adoration to God. The focus of his praise, I think, is spoken of by David in a very eloquent way. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. To think that David here is directing his praise to God, who is worthy of that praise. Over in Psalm 104, he would say, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, he said, you're very great. You're clothed with honor and majesty. David, of course, talks about the holiness of God. And you'll remember back in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. And Isaiah said he saw the Lord high and lifted up. That's how David viewed the Lord. And so I think about the focus of his praise, but then also the fullness of his praise. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In other words, David is saying that I will bless you, I will praise you with everything I have. Sometimes we talk about loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Or with all of our heart, soul, mind, and might. And that's really the essence of what he's saying here. That God is getting the completeness of our adoration and praise. That we're focused on him and he is receiving the fullness of our praise. So first, his adoration. And then secondly, his commemoration. Think again about what David is saying here. His attitude toward God. His attitude is that he is in the presence of a holy God, one of whom I said a moment ago that Isaiah said is high and lifted up. And God is sitting upon his throne. And so David expresses an attitude of praise to God, but then there is this sense of gratitude to God. So listen to what he says in the latter part of verse 2. And forget not all his benefits. Sometimes, sadly, we forget what God has done for us. It's very easy to get so busy with life and so focused on the things that we want to do. That we forget about God, we forget about all of the intrinsic blessings and favors that he bestows on us. And so David is reminding himself to not forget all the great benefits of God. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord, who daily 
loads us with benefits or blessings. And then I think about the words of James in James 1.17. When James said every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. And so God has richly blessed all of us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We shouldn't take those blessings for granted. So David here in this anthem of praise says he's going to bless the Lord, he's going to praise God, and he's not going to forget all of his benefits. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. And this has to do with the provisions of the Lord. And David is going to itemize some of the great blessings or benefits that we enjoy as believers. And you think about what he just said, forget not all his benefits. I think that's a word of caution to everyone. When you begin to isolate the great blessings of God, and you think about everything that God has done for you, how he has made you whole and complete. He's given you purpose and direction in life. So I want to begin by first of all talking about the fullness of forgiveness. David said, speaking of God, who forgives all your iniquities. Now think about that for a minute. Did David know something about the forgiving nature of God? David had experienced the blessings of forgiveness. Now, we might ask the question, what's the basis of forgiveness? Well, listen to what David says down in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Look at verses 13 and 14. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows or understands our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. Now you begin to think about the basis for forgiveness, and it really the backdrop is God's mercy and love, isn't it? His gracious disposition toward those of us who belong to the human family. Do you remember in Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 4? When Paul said, but God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ, he said, by grace are you saved. I think about the words of Paul in Titus 2. When he said, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to every man. God's goodness, his love, his mercy, his forgiving spirit. So we talk about the fullness of forgiveness. And the basis of that would be his mercy and grace, his love. But what about the blessings of forgiveness? I said a minute ago that if anyone understood 
forgiveness, David would have been that man. You remember in the life of David back in 2 Samuel, David had an adulterous encounter with Bathsheba. They had a child together. And David did his best to conceal what he had done. Later, after Nathan the prophet came to him, David acknowledged his wrongdoing. As a matter of fact, he said, I've sinned against the Lord. In Psalm 51, which is typically referred to as the penitential psalm, David would say, against you and you only have I sinned and done this great wickedness. In that same context, he would say, restore to me the joy of your salvation. But when you look at Psalm 51, you need to link to it Psalm 32. Because in Psalm 32, David said, blessed is the man whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. And the idea is there's forgiveness with God, isn't there? Isn't that what the psalmist said on one occasion? But there is forgiveness with you, O God, that you might be feared. To think that there is a God in heaven who will forgive all of our sins. And listen again to what David said. Who forgives all, A-L-L. -L. That means God has the ability, the willingness to forgive all sins, any sins. And there are folks today that have the idea that God would never forgive them. And yet, Paul would say in 1 Timothy chapter 1, that Christ Jesus came into the world for the purpose of bearing our sins. He died for that very purpose. So I would say to all of us today, whatever, whatever sin we might struggle with, whatever problems we might have spiritually, to know that there's a God who forgives every sin. And you think about those people on Pentecost Day who were indicted by Peter is having crucified and slain the Son of God. And they wanted to know what did they need to do to enjoy the forgiveness of sins. And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In other words, so that all your sins can be washed away. Acts 22, 16. We can enjoy that same cleansing. So first he talks about the fullness of forgiveness. But then secondly, the hope of healing. Pick up again in verse 3. He said, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. A couple of thoughts here. First, the care of our Creator. Did you know that there is a God in heaven that is your creator and as your creator he knows you inside and out as a matter of fact look at verse 14 David said he knows our frame he understands our frame he remembers that we are dust back in Genesis chapter 2 the Bible says that God made man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul in chapter 1 26 and 27 Moses said that God made us in his own image. In the image of God, he made both male and female. And so God created us. And as our creator, the psalmist would say in Psalm 139, 14, we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. 
David here is praising God for his benefits. And he's talking about the blessings of healing. Is it not the case that the human body is a beautiful piece of machinery? That as David said, this body has been woven together by an almighty God. And within this body, there are healing properties, are there not? You think about our immune system and how God has put us together. If we're injured, what happens? The body begins in many instances to heal itself. God in heaven is our caretaker. The care, he is our creator. And we talk about the care of the creator. To think that he has woven us together and made us to such intricate detail that the body has the ability in many ways to heal itself. But then what about the marvels of medicine? God in his providence has enabled us to tap into his creation and create medicine that blesses us on many levels. You can go back and look at Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah talks about King Hezekiah. Hezekiah, as you well know, was instructed by God to set his house in order because God said you're going to die and not live. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord and God added 15 years to his life. But in Isaiah chapter 38, he was instructed to take a lump of figs and to use that for a medicinal purpose. In Luke 10, you remember the man that fell among thieves? And the Bible says that the one who cared for him poured in those wounds oil and wine. So there were things that were used medicinally to care for those who were sick and suffering. And so we talk about the, the marvels of modern medicine and how blessed we are to think that God in his providence would, that he would allow us to use all the blessings of his creation for our benefit, for our blessings. And you think about the longevity of life and how in many ways modern medicine, modern science, medical science has extended life. There's, a, there's another thought here, a third thought, and that is the riches of redemption. Now listen again to what David said. Look at verse 4. Who redeems your life from destruction. Now, it's true that God, because of his love, sent Jesus to redeem us, and we enjoy redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. But there's another aspect that David is talking about here by way of redemption. He's talking about the redemption of the body from the grave. And so you think about that guarantee of the resurrection. Do you remember Jesus in John chapter 11 after Lazarus had died? And he went to the hometown of Lazarus. And as he was making his way there, Martha met him. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The guarantee of the resurrection we're guaranteed the resurrection from the dead 
On the basis of what? The resurrection of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but now Christ has been risen or raised. And he said he is the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. He said by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is making the case that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. That he had been seen by verifiable witnesses. People had seen him, they had heard him, they had touched him. That we can put our faith in that. You remember Paul said in Romans chapter 1 verse 4 that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power by the spirit of holiness, and how so? By the resurrection from the dead. So Jesus Christ came forth on the third day. And what Paul is saying in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is simply, just as he was raised from the dead, we too one day will be raised from the dead. So there is this guarantee of the resurrection. And what about the glories of this resurrection? Jesus would say in John chapter 5, marvel not that I say unto you, all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Those that have done good to the resurrection of life. Those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, Marvel not, flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. He said, We shall not all sleep. We shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. He said, We'll be changed. The dead shall be raised. And this mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. Death will be swallowed up in victory. So to know that when we face death, that's not the end. But there's something that waits, something that's far better ahead. So, the riches of redemption. Then there's a fourth thing I want to share with you. And that is the surety of satisfaction. Listen now to what David said. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. In the King James Version, New King James Version, maybe other translations, this verse is rendered again, who satisfies your mouth with good things. That word mouth that is used by the translators is really not a good word. Really doesn't convey the sense of what David is saying. In the New American Standard Version, the translators render this verse who satisfies your years with good things. The New Revised Standard who satisfies you with good as long as you live. And I think really that's the essence of what he's saying. That God has the ability to satisfy you. Not just in the early years of life, but as we grow older in life. Now, the source of that satisfaction would be the Lord. The scope would be all those who put their faith and trust in the Lord, who are believers. We talk about the believer's benefits. So to realize that the Lord has the ability 
to enhance our lives with satisfaction and contentment. And you think about it as we grow older. David said, your youth is renewed like the eagles. And you go back and you look at, for example, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where Solomon talks about in a very poignant way the aging process. And he said, ultimately, it ends in death. He said, at death, the body returns to the dust from which it was taken. The spirit returns to God who gave it. But as we grow older in life, David is saying that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, some would say that the eagle has longevity of life. Anywhere from 20 to 50 years. And so what David is saying is, even though we grow older in life, God can make those golden years sweeter. And so hopefully and prayerfully, as we grow older in life, even though our physical skills might diminish, as Paul said, that inward man is being renewed day by day. In other words, my physical body might not be what it once was 20 years ago or 30 years ago. But spiritually speaking, my outlook, my mental disposition, how I look at life, strong as I've ever been. That's what he's saying here. So you talk about the benefits of a believer. Sadly, sometimes as folks grow older in life, they become cynical and critical. Everything's negative. And rather than seeing the blessings of life, they focus on the negative. And what David is saying is, it doesn't have to be like that. Why? Because God has the ability to satisfy your years with good things. To satisfy you with good as long as you live. You believe that? Third thing I want to share with you in our study very quickly. That is the power of the Lord. Drop down and look now at verse, look at verse 19. David said, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. And his kingdom rules over all. First, the sovereignty of the Lord. To recognize that we serve a God who is sitting upon his throne... And with regard to his reign, it never changes and it never ceases. Look at our country. And think about how every four to eight years we have a change in administration in our highest office. You have a new man in office and there are changes that are made. No one sits in that seat permanently. And yet what David is saying is we're serving a Lord, we're serving a God who sits upon his throne and he is in full control. And of his kingdom, he said, it rules over all, it never ceases, it never changes. And I would add to that as we think about the sovereignty of the Lord, the surety, the security of the Lord. And by that I simply mean think about, think about earthly kingdoms. They come and they go. They rise, they fall. 
Daniel said in Daniel 4 verse 32 that the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. And you think about changes in kingdoms and changes in government. Daniel, for example, was taken to Babylon as a young teenager along with his three friends. Rose to prominence under Nebuchadnezzar. And then later when the Babylonian kingdom folded, Daniel rose to power and prominence in the court of the Persians, the Medes and the Persians. And you think about there was a change in government. There was a change in the one who occupied the throne. There was a change of kingdom. But the Bible says we serve a God who never changes, who never ceases. And sometimes promises will be made by a certain administration, a government, a kingdom. And then when, when that government, that administration, that kingdom falls to the wayside, what happens? New changes, new laws, etc. Let me tell you what. The Lord, he doesn't change. His reign will never cease. And every single promise he has made, he will keep. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 6, verse 18, God who cannot lie. God doesn't lie. So when God makes a promise to us, let me tell you what, he keeps that promise. So you think about what David is saying here. David has been talking about the benefits of a believer. The benefits of forgiveness. The benefits of healing. The benefits of redemption. The benefits of satisfaction. And so, as a child of God, we're blessed. And what David is saying is, look, if you are a believer, you have tapped in to the best life because it's the blessed life. I wish somehow I could convince people that living for God is the best way to go in life. If you want to go through life first class, I mean if you want to go through life and enjoy life to the very fullest and you want to get everything out of life that you can possibly get out of life, then live for God. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. You'll be blessed. So, let's say you're here today and you're not a Christian. And you don't have all these benefits and blessings. I want you to know that before you leave here today, you can enjoy those benefits and blessings. That if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God, and you will willingly lay down a life of sin, lay it to the side through repentance, Confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and then be immersed in water. The Bible assures you you can be forgiven. No matter, no matter what kind of sin is in your life, any sin, all sin, God will forgive it. He'll clean you. Clean your life up. Give you a better way to live. As Paul said, you can be baptized and wash away all your sins. If you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've gone back into the world, for whatever reason you had the idea that 
The world has more to offer, but now you understand it doesn't. And you want to come home, let me tell you what, God will take you back. He'll forgive you. God will abundantly pardon every sin, 1 John 1, 9. Won't you come as we stand and sing?